Hey, everybody, you are listening to UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, and my guest today is UCI undergrad Nancy Archuleta. Nancy is a double major in political science and criminology, law, and society. She's scheduled to graduate in June of 2021. The reason she is here today is because of her involvement with the student campus organization CalPERG. Welcome, Nancy. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. So I see you've been involved with CalPERG for about 18 months. Can you please tell us all about the organization and why you got involved? Yeah, absolutely. So CalPERG stands for the California Public Interest Research Group. Uh, We're an organization that was started over 45 years ago that works to protect the environment, promote civic engagement, and make college more affordable. We kind of have like a weird name and not a lot of people actually know who we are on campus, but we're the group that banned plastic grocery bags in California and also got California to commit to 100% clean purchase electricity. So, yeah, those are just some of our recent accomplishments. And right now we're working to ban single-use plastics here on campus. Fantastic. I have recently interviewed a Earth System scientist, PhD graduate from UCI, and she was talking about, obviously, the environment is very important to her and the human change that's occurring. She did mention, she goes, yeah, we, we made great progress with single-use plastic bags, but now they've just gone to these thicker plastic bags. Is that the next project, or do you have any sense of that? Well, so we're working to ban single-use plastics, and I'm not too sure about how that will affect the uh, reusable plastic bags in grocery stores. Um, I'm not super, like, knowledgeable of the specifics of the policy that we're advocating for, but I know that we're working to ban single-use plastics in the state of California as a whole. So that's things like foam cups, take-out containers, plastic straws, stuff like that. Stuff that we use for literally like five minutes and then throw away, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're targeting. Yeah. How did you find out about the organization? I actually got recruited last fall quarter at the Anteater Involvement Fair. Mm. I was just walking around with some of my friends and then somebody stopped me in Aldrich Park and they were like, hey, you want to help save the bees? Because at that time, our lead campaign was saving the bees and banning bee-killing pesticides on campus. And I thought it was really funny because at that time, the bee movie was really popular again. And I was like, wow, that's a... I love that meme. So, you know, sure, I'll give my $5, I'll sign up. And I ended up checking the box for internship, but I didn't really think too much of it. I was like, oh, you know, might as well, like, put my name out there and see what happens. But I didn't really expect anything to come of it until literally that night I was, like, getting ready for bed. And then I get a call from somebody and they're like, hey, you signed one of our pledges today and you were interested in internships. You want to come volunteer tomorrow? And I was like, wow, I... (laughs) really put on the spot there and she asked me some really personal questions like oh why are you interested in the environment all this stuff and I was like oh my god I'm getting interviewed like the day of it was so wild I really didn't expect that but anyway I ended up going out to volunteer the next day and then they pitched me like an intern for the organization and I wanted to do that because I really liked the volunteering event that I did that day and I liked the people and it was it was a good time so I was like yeah sure I'll interview and then I got the grassroots intern for the Save the Bees campaign so I did that for a year and then I ran for a chapter chair spring quarter of last year and I got it so that's where I am today. And that's your current position? Yeah I'm the chapter chair as well as the Plastic Free Seas campaign coordinator. Okay. Is your organization similar to most other student organizations on campus? It sounds like it's a little bit more connected to 
all the other UC organizations. Is that a correct sense? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have chapters in every UC besides Merced, and they're all doing really well. We're actually a nationwide nonprofit, and we just happen to have chapters in uh, most of the UCs and then in places like Washington, New Jersey, Florida, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we're everywhere, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or there are chapters at Cal State schools also? No, we're working on expanding to Cal State schools, but currently I don't believe we have any chapters there. Are there a lot of organizations like CalPerg at UCI that have this broader range of membership at other schools? It seems a little unique. I'm not too familiar with the clubs on campus that are able to do stuff like this. Um, I know we're working with uh, certain groups like the College Dems or the Sunrise Movement, stuff like that. We've been trying to reach out to clubs on campus, but currently I'm not too knowledgeable of any other clubs that are tied to like a nationwide nonprofit in the kind of sense that we are where they have like different chapters around uh, the UCs and other states as well. Yeah, yeah. So have you met with other leaders from the other UC CalPerg organizations? Yeah, absolutely. Every quarter we have around two or three conferences statewide. Actually, last weekend, I believe there was a Southern California conference. So the chapters at UCLA, UC San Diego, UC Riverside, UC Santa Barbara, and here at Irvine all met up at UCLA and we did a bunch of stuff and discussed how we can become better chapters, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go? No, <laughs> actually, uh, I can't remember what I was doing. I I think I had some car trouble. I wasn't able to go. But uh, a lot of people from our chapter went. I think we had around like 15 people go. Yeah. And then the other chapters had a lot of people go, too. So it was a pretty good turnout. I want to say like 100 people were there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So are there national positions? You know, I mean, could you run for a national position or a state position with CalPerg? Or, you know, how is it set up? Yeah, absolutely. So Actually, my boss's boss, Megan, she started out as a student, I believe, at UC San Diego, and she ran for chapter chair, and then eventually she ran for a organizer position. So after you graduate, CalPerg offers career opportunities, and you can apply for an organizer position, which is where you basically get paid to do a bunch of different things at different campuses. So she applied for an organizer position, and she got it. And I believe she was an organizer at either San Diego or LA for three or four years. And then she, I'm not sure of this process, but she ended up becoming one of our statewide board members and a statewide organizer. Mm-hmm. So she, she travels like all around the California, just driving up and down and like visiting a bunch of our chapters. Yeah. Like I know last quarter she did work with our Davis chapter and then now she comes back to Southern California to work with Irvine and Riverside and San Diego and stuff like that. So she goes everywhere in California. So there's definitely a good leadership ladder that you can like move up. It takes a bit, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there's yeah. definitely ways that you can move up for yeah. sure. Wow. Interesting. So what are specifically at the club level here at UCI, what are you guys doing? Really what we're trying to do is educate a lot of students on the issues and the campaigns that we're running. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of my main priorities is just making sure people know who CalPerg is and what we do and what we're trying to accomplish. I personally enjoy talking to students every day. A lot of the times, like even right now, we're pledging on Ring Road. I have uh, volunteers right now asking people to pledge with us and educating them on our Plastic Free Seas campaign. So that's one of our main things. Another one is just helping us win our campaigns. Like we have a bunch of different things that we're working on, such as like fighting food insecurity on campus, working to ban single-use plastics, getting the city of Irvine to transition to 100% electric public transportation, getting new students registered to vote, and getting a voting site on campus on election day, stuff like that. 
So wow. all of those things is like, that's what we're trying to accomplish here mm-hmm. at uh, Irvine. Wow, it's big. Yeah, no, we have a pretty broad scope of things that we're trying to address. So, wow. yeah. Wow. How many members do you have currently at UCI? We have to distinguish between members and returning volunteers because at our regular meetings, our weekly meetings, we usually have around 20 to 30 people. But when it comes to members of CalPERC, we actually have to have 10% of the student population pledged with us as in being a member of CalPERC or else we're not allowed to be a club on campus. Like we actually have a contract with UCI stating this. So I think currently I want to say we have around a couple thousand people. Mm-hmm. I know this quarter we're working to get 1,100 new students pledged with us. Mm. We're currently halfway to our goal, which is really exciting. And then last quarter, we actually got 1,300 people to pledge with us. And these people are returners as well. So I'm sure there's a lot more than that. I'm not cur- like too sure about the actual number, but it's in the thousands for sure. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of students and a yeah. lot of commitments. So is it more of just, you, you? will you make the financial commitment or do they actually do things? Do they actually get involved? So a lot of the times when we ask people to sign a pledge, by signing a pledge, they do agree to a small monetary donation. But on the bottom of that pledge, they can check a couple of boxes to indicate whether or not they're interested in actually getting involved in the organization. We offer volunteering opportunities for credit internships and career opportunities as well. And I want to say a good number of them actually check those boxes, probably around like 50 to 60%. So a lot of them at least come out to one or two volunteering events. So it's really good. We see a lot of volunteers. Wow. So yeah, no, it's really it's a really good turnout. So are you guys one of the more active student organizations on campus? It seems like you guys are very active. Yeah, absolutely. I can't say too much as to the activity of other clubs, because again, I'm not too familiar with anybody else. But I know for us, we're always having events almost every day. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, we have a bunch of different campaigns and a bunch of different uh, coordinators for those campaigns, and they all have their own different schedules. Mm-hmm. I know that we're planning things like beach cleanups, press conferences. Mm-hmm. We want to get in the newspaper, talk to the press, stuff like that. Those are bigger events. We also have things like tabling and petitioning, databasing, phone banking. We do visibility parties and stuff like that. Yeah. So I can guarantee almost every day we have something going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a lot to manage, but we always wow. have something going on for sure. That's amazing. I, I had no idea. I mean, I don't want to be a naysayer, but do you feel like sometimes you you guys have too much going on? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's kind of the thing with activism where it never really stops. Right. We always need something to be happening in order to continue making progress on our campaigns. And because we have such a really awesome group of volunteers and people that are committed to our organization, it never feels like it's too much. It always like we're always making progress, no matter if it's like just gathering petitions on Ring Road and asking students to show support. Like even that is impactful. So I feel like all of the work that we do means something and that we're always working towards making more progress. You know, what's amazing is as broad of an organization that you are, is student recognition of your organization high or do you feel like you're still working to get the word out? We're always going to be working to get our name recognition higher. I think personally it's been getting better over the past few years. I know I'll see on Facebook like certain UCI groups are talking about CalPERC, which is always great. And then we have like certain identifiers for our organization. Like sometimes we'll have people wearing costumes and then I'll see people like laughing at that or like, oh, those are the CalPERC people because they're wearing costumes (laughs) and asking people to sign petitions and stuff like that. I know that some of my friends know CalPERC just because like they hear people say, we're the Save the Turtles people or we're the Save the Bees people. 
So at least they like know the campaigns that we're running. So I feel like it's getting better. We'd always love to get more people to know who we are and what we do. We have kind of a weird name, but I don't know. I just think we're always going to be working towards that. But it's been getting better for sure. Yeah, good, good. And how about at the state level? Do you interact much with the state level? Well, actually, we do a lot of state work. I haven't personally been too involved in that. I actually have been sent to Sacramento last spring quarter to lobby at the state capitol, which is really cool. I know we do that almost every quarter. We send students to the capitol to lobby for um, certain policies and stuff like that. I believe next quarter we're going to do that as well. So we do interact on the state level. It just depends on what position you are in the chapter. When we do lobby days, we'll send as many people as we can. But I know we have like certain staff uh, in like higher up CalPerg that are always working with like the state legislature and stuff like that, mm-hmm. for sure. Within your organization, do you have a favorite project? Mm-hmm. Okay, t- I'm like the Plastic Free Seas campaign coordinator, so I feel like it'd be like weird that. if I didn't say well, <laughs> Plastic Free Seas. I gotta be honest, that was really what got my attention. Yeah, fact, I know. When I recently interviewed this uh, Earth System scientist and she mentioned some of those plastic eddies in the middle of the ocean are bigger than the state of Texas. Oh, yeah. It, it just is mind-boggling. This can't keep going on. This is, this, this is just unimaginable. Something needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I've heard about that and like I've seen images and it's just, it's mind boggling. It's insane that it's gotten to this point. And mm. I just personally think it's super urgent that we do something right now, especially when things like that exist. Right. It's just, I like, I can't even like sit here just being like, I, I don't know how people can just live with like that right. existing. But uh, yeah, so I guess Plastic Free Seas would definitely be my favorite campaign uh, just because I feel like it's a really good nonpartisan issue that people like from all sides Who can agree. Who could be against it? Right, right yeah. yeah. I mean, things that like... Literally, things that we use for five minutes shouldn't be sitting in our oceans for decades, but they do. And I, that's just something that bothers me so much. So that's why I feel like everybody can like get involved or at least care about it a little yeah. bit because nobody loves using plastic. Yeah. Nobody like <laughs> that's yeah. not a thing. So I feel like as long as we can start offering alternatives, then most people won't care. Great point. What are the alternatives? Like if we don't have single use plastic bags or reusable plastic bags that are so convenient and in a pinch it's like I got nothing to carry so that's what you go to what's the alternative I assume that you have an alternative that's doable do you well okay so I can't speak on behalf of CalPerg because I'm actually not too sure about what policy that we're advocating for that would replace single-use plastics we're more so a group that advocates for certain resolutions And I believe that we think that it's the plastics industry's job to come up with uh, like Mm. different things to use besides plastic. Mm. It's not our job to come up with it. We're just advocating for the problem and making sure that people know about it. Mm. So that's more so CalPERC's position. But personally, I think that it's a good thing to start with reusable plastic bags. So we made a good step by banning single-use plastic bags in grocery stores and using the the reusable ones. That's a good step. And then personally, I actually talked to a student about this like a week ago. They asked me what we should do. And I like what the UCI dining halls are doing now, which is providing their own plates and metal stuff, and then they wash it. So it's reusable and it's not plastic. It's metal. It's fine. And a lot of times people, like when they go to Starbucks, they can bring their own reusable cup and then they get a discount for it. 
Really? So I don't think it's too much to ask for people to bring their own things and then use it and then take it home, wash it, and reuse it again. Like, yeah. people are doing it right now. I know students, like, here on campus are really good about it. Like, a lot of them have hydros. A lot of them have metal straw bags and metal straws that they bring. So it's doable, and I don't think it's a lot to ask. So I feel like that's a good first step in just bringing your own things and getting used to not having everything provided for you when you want to go buy something yeah. uh, to eat or drink. So for the different size coffees at Starbucks, do they basically pre-measure the size? So if you just have a cup, it's like, oh, I'll have a venti and here's my venti cup. I think so. I haven't personally bought anything from Starbucks, but I'm pretty sure they have different size cups. Mm. And I know that they offer like a 10 cents discount for certain things and stuff like that. If you have a reusable cup or if it's a Starbucks cup or something like that. So I know that they offer something like that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I've also heard that Trader Joe's, which many of us like just because of what they're about, but that a lot of their packaging is single-use. Have you heard anything about that? I haven't actually. I, I don't think I've ever actually been in a Trader Joe's. Oh, I don't wow. shop there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> not because of their plastics policy. I just never ended up going shopping at Trader Joe's. Yeah. So I haven't heard too much about that, actually. Oh, okay. Are we making inroads into those ocean eddies the size of Texas in the ocean? Do they just continue to be bigger? I mean, I don't really know the progress that we've made on that. I honestly have no idea how we can fix something like that at that scale. That's kind of way past my knowledge. And (laughs) Honestly, I just, I'd love to fix it, but I have no idea how to tackle something like that in the middle of the Pacific Ocean that size. Like I just, that's so daunting. I can't even begin to imagine how we're going to fix it. If you joined us late, you're listening to UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bostenmeyer. My guest today is UCI political science and criminology undergrad major, Nancy Archuleta. Nancy is here talking about her college career in CalPER, the California Public Interest Research Group, in which she is a student officer and spokesperson. Also, just a heads up about this interview, it was done in early February 2020, before things absolutely exploded with the coronavirus. So now back to a little fresh air and the interview. You sound very passionate about your organization. Once you graduate, will you still be able to be involved? I hope so. I know I won't ever be ashamed to say that I was a member of CalPERG and I'd love to come back to campuses and see just how we've been progressing and keep an eye on the policies that we're trying to pass and hopefully I can vote for them someday. That'd be really great. But I'd love to keep an eye on it and just make sure that we're continuing to make progress on all of our campaigns and stuff like that. Do you know what you're going to do once you do graduate? Are you planning to go to graduate school? or? So I'm planning to take a year off after I graduate from UCI, and then I'd like to apply to law school uh-huh. after that. So I plan on going to law school after that year and then going from there and hopefully working at a firm somewhere. So in terms of eliminating plastics in the ocean. What else are you guys doing? It sounds like you're doing lobbying. Are you doing fundraising for that? Fundraising is a weird kind of question. We fundraise through pledging for our organization. uh, And then through our organization, we host various things like beach cleanups and then press events that make people knowledgeable of the issue. So we bring awareness and stuff like that. How much is the pledge? Can you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
By signing one of our pledges, students agree to a $5 CalPERG activities fee that's added to their ZOT account starting next quarter and every quarter from then until they graduate. And that that can just be part of their student record that they're going to they're they pledged to put this amount so they just get charged on their credit card or? yeah uh so when students go to pay their tuition it'll like at the bottom it'll say calperg student activities fee five dollars oh. and it's just added to their tuition so gotcha. yeah okay and in terms of officers in your chapter how many officers are there so we have i want to say around five or six we have the chapter chair the vice chair we have our recruitment chair our uh, campus relations chair uh, and our social media chair. I believe that's it. I know other chapters have more because there's just more people willing to be on the board. Yeah, we have a pretty small board. I think we have around five people, but I know like there are like members at large at UCLA for the statewide board. So they have a bunch of other stuff and treasurer and stuff like that. So they have like other chapters have more board members, I'm sure. But uh, for UCI, I think we have around five. Mm-hmm. And how often do you guys meet as a chapter? Is that how it works? Are you doing project meetings or chapter meetings? We actually do both. So every Monday from 6 to 7 in Humanities Hall 236, we have our regular weekly meetings, where which are open to anybody and everybody. And then we also have project meetings. Um, I'm not sure of the schedule for everybody, uh, like every campaigns, but I know the Plastic Free Seas meetings are from 7 to 8, so after our core meetings on Mondays in the same room. So we definitely have uh, both regular members meetings on every Monday, uh, and then Plastics meets every Monday, but other campaigns meet uh, different days as well. Do you have a faculty advisor? I don't believe we do. We definitely work with a lot of professors and faculty on campus, um, but I don't think we have one designated advisor. We just have certain professors that are willing to work with us and allow us to speak in their classes and that'll sign off on certain things and stuff like that, but not just one in particular. Yeah. Can you name two or three of the, the faculty members who are very supportive that, you know, you come to their classrooms. So I know like my environmental professor Garcia, she's very like willing to let us speak whenever. It's my environmental analysis class. So of all the uh, like all the classes, it's definitely one that she's like willing to let me speak at and she cares about the environment and she realizes like we do a lot of good work. So I appreciate her willingness to let me speak. I spoke in my class yesterday. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. And then I know one of our board members, I can't remember the professor's name, but it's one in her sociology class, was an actual CalPERC member when she was in college. So that was really cool. And she uh, lets us speak whenever as well. She's very passionate about just student activism in general. So uh, I've spoken in her classes before, and she's very willing to you know, work with us and allow us to speak in her classes just because she has firsthand experience into what CalPERC does and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, excellent. You know, in terms of the plastics issue. Is there anything else that you guys are doing that we haven't talked about? I think we've gotten a pretty good sense of what that campaign is about. Again, it's just working to ban all single-use plastics on a statewide level. So things like foam cups, takeout containers, plastic straws, spoons, forks, utensils, stuff like that. All of that is hopefully going to be phased out by 2030. And we'd like to secure that commitment by the end of spring quarter. It does seem like there's a lot of these restaurants that are, you know, it's not fast food, but they're not full-on restaurants, but 
it's all disposable plastics mm-hmm. and and that that seems to be a trend i noticed that do, do you notice that too yeah it, you're trying to address that it's like hey that's not cool yeah absolutely personally i went out to like get some pizza like a couple days ago and they handed me like a styrofoam cup to get my soda and i was like oh no <laughs> i don't know what to do i didn't bring my own like i didn't bring my hydro and i was like oh this is so weird i haven't even used this in so long yeah. but, so i know for sure that's definitely an issue and part of what calper does is also reaching out to local businesses and we've tried in the past to get some to transition away from single-use plastics or at least say that they will and get a commitment or just sign a little thing that says i'm against using plastics and stuff like that so we're definitely working to reach out to local businesses as well and hopefully move them away from that i just know that a lot of local businesses use it because it's a cheaper alternative than reusable things at the moment Mm. but that's also something that we're working towards is making reusable things cheaper and more accessible for local businesses and students to use Let's go to the bee issue. You know, for a while there, it seemed like it was in the news that there was a epidemic among pollinating bees. Is that still at the crisis level or do you know? Yeah. So I think this has always been an issue and it's even more of an issue now. About 40% of our bee colonies are dying every year, which is an insane amount. It's huge. And that has a terrible impact on our food supply because bees are one of our main pollinators. They pollinate around one or two thirds of our food source. Uh, So no bees means no coffee, no fruits and vegetables and none of that stuff. Without bees, we don't have a lot of food. So I think it's a really urgent issue and it's weird because not a lot of people are actually knowledgeable of this kind of thing and when uh, I know like when I got recruited I didn't know that was a thing I had no idea so now that I've worked with this campaign for over a year it's still astounding to see how many people like when we first reach out to them they're like oh I didn't even know that bees were like dying off at really bad rates and it's just wild that most people don't know that this is happening but that's just again one of our CalPERC's missions is to educate people on these issues. Has it relieved at all or is it still at the crisis level? You haven't really heard about it that much lately. Yeah so we didn't run this campaign last quarter uh, but I believe it's still at uh it's it's still in a pretty bad place i know that the the bee die off rate has not been improving very much but the way that we can improve that and the way that calper's trying to improve that is by banning a certain bee killing pesticide that a lot of campuses and uh, the city uses called neonicotinoids it's not only just a toxic chemical but it kills off bees that really it's just it's a bee killing pesticide and it shouldn't be used yeah so that's why we're working to hopefully get um the campus here at UCI to become a bee-friendly campus. And in doing so, they agree to not use neonicotinoids. How's that going? We're actually making a lot of progress. I know that we have to make coalition on campus with certain faculty members, like a bee-friendly committee, uh, Mm -hmm. one would say. And then uh, they meet every month and just talk about stuff like that and just making sure that there's still like faculty support as well as student support for keeping neonicotinoids off of campus. So we're working on that. I know we have, I think we actually have a website established for this. I'd have to check back on that, but I know that we've been working on that. And it's also just, we need a bunch of student support. And I know other campuses have accomplished this or at least are working on it. So it's getting better because the UCs are slowly being accustomed to, or just being turned on to the idea of becoming a bee-friendly campus and being certified. So that's something that hopefully within the next couple of years, all of the UCs can accomplish. Yeah. Are there UCs that are bee-friendly? I want to say yes. I can't remember off the top of my head which campuses, but I know there are 
maybe one or two that are within the UCs. Yeah. So certain UCs, I want to say Davis and Berkeley, but I'm not too sure about that. But I know for sure some of them are, at least. So it's good that certain campuses have taken that step. And then I know, like here at UCI, we can leverage that information and be like, other UCs have already done it, so we should do it too. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So we've talked about bees. We've talked about plastic. Is there another big movement within your group. Yeah, we so we have um, other campaigns as well, like our New Voters Project, which is working to get new students registered to vote, making voting more accessible and easier for students on campus. And uh, in doing so, we're hoping to get a vote, like a registered voting center on campus, like an actual permanent one uh, on election day. I know that's something that not only CalPERG is working on, but other uh, organizations as well, like ASUCI uh, and the College Dems and College Republicans and stuff like that. I'm sure everybody that's even concerned with getting students registered to vote is open to the idea of getting a voter registration site on campus. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're working on. Uh, We're also hoping to get Irvine to commit to electric public transportation, just to follow in UCI's footsteps, really, because we have an electric fleet of public transportation buses so hopefully we're hoping to get Irvine to do the same mm-hmm. and then yeah I think now, have I think you been involved with that with the uh, city of Irvine officials I haven't done too much work on that campaign specifically really it's just talking to the Irvine City Council members and uh, we're working to send or create a group of students in Calperg to send to uh, Irvine City Council meetings to talk to them I know specifically we're trying to target council member Melissa Fox because she's very interested in environmental stuff and electric public transportation and we think that if we can get her on our side and to at least co-sponsor a policy that she'd be very interested in working with us and um, helping Irvine do that we're working on that as well. It's just I personally haven't done too much work on that. Campaign. Gotcha. How is working with Governor of California, Governor Newsom, do you hear good things about that or is it challenging? Can you give us any insights? So personally, I haven't worked with Governor Newsom and I don't know anything uh, with regards to CalPERC and specifically the governor. I know that we've had issues in the legislature, in the state legislature, uh, getting our policies passed or even decided on. Last quarter, we kind of took a hit when um, we're uh, advocating to pass AB 1080 and SB 54 for our plastics campaign. But those issues actually weren't able to even be decided on or talked about during the Oh my God! What I can't even remember what it's called. But when these legislative, yeah, legislative session, yeah, the session, yeah, when the session was open, we were actually lobbied out so that the people, like the plastics corporations, or there's like a specific company that pretends to be like very uh, for banning plastics, but they like instilled a lot of doubt in the council members and people like that in the Senate, and we weren't even like allowed to talk about our. policies which was wow yeah it was it was a hit we were really disappointed with that uh we were lobbied out of the capital which was uh, disappointing for sure but we know that the way that we prevent that from happening again is to gather even more student support just so that next time the the session is open that people in power can't ignore us mm-hmm. so that's just our solution to the problems that we've had in the past lobbying in the government right now if you're just joining us this is uci conversations and i'm your host kevin bossenmeyer And my guest today is Nancy Archuleta, who is an undergrad in poli-sci and criminology. She is also very involved with the student organization on campus, CalPERG. Right now in the interview, we hear about how Nancy came to UCI. And just a note, this interview was conducted in early February 2020. 
So let's just backtrack a little bit, Nancy. How did you find UCI? Where did you grow up? Um, I actually grew up in a very small town, 45 minutes north of Sacramento, called Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I grew up there. My whole life I spent in Lincoln. And I actually don't even really remember how... Or, no, I do. My senior year, I took a college trip, like a my... Uh, like a tour of different campuses? Or... Yeah. we. My physics class took a college trip around California, and we ended up going to Southern California, and we ended up touring Irvine. And I really liked that the campus was in a circle. <laughs> that was one of the things that, like, yeah, I think it's pretty cool too, actually. Uh, yeah, no, I we had gone to like five other campuses, and it was huge, and yeah. it just everything was so big, and like I didn't know where anything was. And then we get to Irvine, and it's just in a circle, and I'm like, wow, this is the best. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. That is so funny. You know, actually, I went up to Berkeley fairly recently, and. It was just like I wouldn't, you know, I was just in these square building rectangles and I have no idea where we went. Yeah. So, yeah, it really is uh, amazing how UCI has this great synergy. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was one of the main things where I was like, I hadn't even considered Irvine before. And then I got there and I was like, wow, it's in a circle. It's in Southern California. And I like this weather. And I was like, it's just like a really big change from Northern California. And I was like, you know, I might as well apply to it. So I ended up applying. I got into UCI, which was great. And uh, it was one of the best schools that I got into. And I was like, well, I'd love to go to Southern California because I've only been there like a handful of times. Uh, And I actually had a couple of friends from high school that also got accepted. So uh, we all ended I had think like three or four people come with me. So that was really cool. So we all ended up going to UCI. And it's so when you were going on the tours, were were, UCI was the only one that was in a circle with the rest of the schools just basically randomly built. So you you got a little lost. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I remember we went to things like UC Santa Barbara, a great campus. I love the beach, but just very large. And I was so lost. And I remember uh, like last year I went to Davis uh, for a CalPERG statewide conference Mm. and I was it's an even bigger campus. And that's that's the campus where people everybody bikes. Because it's so big. Wow. More than UCSB? Because oh. UCSB blows me away. Yeah, no. Uh, I think Davis is known for bikers and just aggressive bikers. And yeah. I remember like going there and I was like, this campus is gigantic. And I like, ha- I was lost. I like couldn't find anything. And it was wow. just like, I miss UCI. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. because like, I don't know. It's just, it's so nice. It's concentric. And like, I know everything there. It was super easy to learn. And I was like, yeah. wow, I'm glad I went to UCI. Like, I don't, I don't regret going to UCI at all. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, it gets better as I stay here longer yeah. for sure. Fantastic. In terms of your double major, did you know right away that you were going to double major? Has that evolved for you? It's changed a little bit. Uh, I Since eighth grade, I wanted to be a computer scientist. Oh. Uh, I learned a little bit of programming in high school, but I got admitted to UCI as an undeclared major. I didn't get in as comp sci. So my first year was really just focused on getting into as many coding classes as possible because it's a really impacted major and it's really difficult to get in like to the intro courses. So I believe I got into my first coding class my winter quarter of freshman year and I took ICS 31, which is uh, where I learned Python. Uh, and I struggled so hard in that <laughs> class. It's very Python. difficult. You always hear a Python. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. No, it is uh, just not for me. It yeah. is, it, the resilience coders have and just the patience that they have. I could, I couldn't even do it. Like yeah. that one quarter was so stressful just because I don't know. It was, it was way too difficult for me. And I yeah. just admire the people that are like in their third or fourth year of computer science. Like, wow, you're 
you're just way better than I am when that com- it comes to that stuff because yeah. that just takes all kinds of skills that I'm not even capable of. Yeah, so. yeah. Once were, you I, good, were you good at math in high school? You must I have was been. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I took AP Calculus. I got A's uh, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Math was pretty good. I, I, I enjoy math uh, for the most part. And then it wasn't even really the math part of coding that got to me. It was just the constant failure and then the one success and then you move on <laughs> yeah, yeah right right yeah, yeah i that, just that is something yeah, yeah no it's really like that kind of patience is something that i'm not capable of and like kudos to the people that are because that stuff is really difficult but after my first class i was like okay i'm just not cut out for this yeah. and i'm glad i realized that right away instead right. of sticking with it because i just would have been way more miserable at the time when I was still thinking of being a computer science major, I also was really interested in politics. I've pretty much always been interested in politics. Um, I took AP Gov in high school, too. Uh, that was just really interesting. I, I love politics, and I love watching the debates and stuff like that and keeping up with the current political climate. It's very interesting to me. So at the time, I was like, oh, I might as well just add another major. I like really. I was just like, well, com- computer science is going to be hard, so why not have another major that's fun? Uh-huh. So I ended up thinking, like, at the time I was going to be a double major in comp sci and political science. Uh, but after I took that coding class, I decided to drop comp sci. And then mm. I added political science for real. And then mm. last year, I realized that if I had tried really hard or if I put a little bit more effort into taking more classes, then I could graduate in three years. Wow. Uh, yeah, I... I, I like taking a lot of classes and political science classes are really fun. So it, it's not a lot of work for me. So I, I like taking 16, 20 units uh, when I could. Mm-hmm. So I took a lot of classes my first two years. And I basically like if I had kept that up, I could have finished in three years. But I thought about it and I really like it here at UCI. <laughs> and I don't really feel the need to leave any earlier than I have to. So I thought about it and I decided that I wanted to be a lawyer. And the next best step is to, you know, have more degrees that pertain to mm-hmm. law mm-hmm. so i was like might as well like criminology <laughs> you know I, I gotta tell you nancy uh last summer i got to sit in on the first class for criminology and i was fascinated mm-hmm. like the uh, professor um, grad student just started explaining like you know the different theories or you know what kind of different theories of criminal you know how different systems are laid out and i was like wow this what an exploration this is um can you is there something about criminology any anything that like really just like yeah this this is what really percolates for me in criminology i don't know anything come to mind i think it's just uh how relatable it is for everybody and just like being able to understand people like certain people's actions because i'm a crim major or just know that like oh this is indicative of this or like i know something that really fascinated me that like changed the way i think about uh, younger people in general is something that i learned in my uh criminology fundamentals class last quarter is that uh, uh, your prefrontal, prefrontal cortex doesn't actually develop until you're 25, like fully develop. So people that... So like, mine's supposed to be developed because I'm way <laughs> over than 25. Yeah, for Sometimes sure. Sometimes I wonder. No, honestly, like I heard that and I was like, well, so does that mean that like people... Like that's the part of your brain that helps you critically think. So I was like, wow, people at the age of 18 have to make huge decisions and just about what where you want to go to college, what you want to do with your life. And people yeah. are expected by that age that you have all this stuff figured out at least. And to hear that you're not even like able to like make those decisions <laughs> fully 
by the time you're 25 when you're supposed to have already graduated and have like a full-time job is insane so I was just like wow I have to look at my peers just a little differently because not (laughs) not everybody has like fully developed their prefrontal cortex you think you know what you're doing but I wonder (laughs) no for sure it's just like it's really wild to think about that that's just something that you know not everybody has gone through yet and it's it's definitely just that kind of thing like is something that I really enjoy about criminology and just understanding the people around me a lot better for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. excellent in terms of law any idea like any particular area that you are interested in? um i took a couple of law classes last year i actually considered being an environmental law <laughs> a lawyer seems uh, like a natural fit right i know <laughs> i know uh but uh, i just i think uh if i really wanted to go into environmental law i uh, should probably have a better background in the actual science of mm-hmm. the the environment. I, I I wouldn't feel too great about myself if I was like advocating for something that I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about or just the, the science. I would like to understand that better. And then I looked into it. I uh, I actually like like a month or two ago I looked into what it would take to add another ma- <laughs> another major for environmental science. And I was like, well, <laughs> there's a lot to do, and that's a lot more math and science. And I don't know. I I couldn't convince myself to add another year here at UCI for three degrees that just that's a little much so I think I'm putting you know environmental law aside for now maybe later I'll come back to it but uh, I think what I'm settling on right now is probably copyright law and intellectual property Uh, I know those things are like very big right now and they're only going to be getting bigger as globalization continues and people have more access to the internet and like property that you can't really touch but it's it has monetary value so i know that's something that's going to bring in a lot of money i think it's really fun i took a class on it i enjoyed it it's a lot of debate and uh i i enjoy it personally so i think as of right now that's probably what i'm going to go into but i'm sure it's going to change when i get into law school and actually hear about all the different kinds of law for sure so how long have you been at uci now this is my third year third year so do you have like just a highlight, like this. This is something that I've done. I did at UCI that I just had. I had no idea I would do this, and it was just the most fun. And it was something that epitomizes your UCI experience. Do you have anything like that? I mean, okay, this sounds kind of cliche, just because I'm here to talk about Calperg, but like, yeah. I don't know, just. Being able to be a student activist is something that I didn't anticipate on doing in college. Like, my first year, I didn't join any clubs. I didn't do anything. I, I was in my freshman dorms, and I was just happy doing homework and talking to my friends. But as soon as I got recruited to Calperg, I realized how important student activism is, not only in general, but to me personally. And uh, as a political science major, I feel like that's something I should be involved in. And it's not it. half the time, it doesn't even feel like work. I have a lot. I made a lot of friends in Calperg. I made a lot of uh, connections, uh, and I don't regret it at all. It's definitely the highlight of my college experience is being able to be a student activist, being able to meet with my uh, state assembly members and my Congress people, and to lobby in the Capitol is something that I feel like not all students have access to. And I'm uh, very fortunate and lucky and privileged to be able to do something like this and spend my time doing this. So I don't regret it at all, and I definitely consider this the highlight of my college career. Just enjoy it so much. Fantastic. In terms of state legislator, is there one in particular that's like just really enjoy and feel like is a trusted, you know, somebody that you're like on the same, I can tell we're on the same wavelength. Anybody come so- to mind? Personally, I haven't met with uh, anybody that I can consider like super great and like 
reliable, mm. but I know that there are people like um, we're actually trying to work with our state assembly member who recently got elected, I think last year, uh, Kati Petri Norris. Um, I know that she has a really good stance on environmental issues and she's um, willing to work with CalPerg. I know that uh, she likes our organization. I just personally haven't met with her. Mm. So hopefully when I go to lobby, I can, oh, I've actually met her already and we've talked about stuff like this. So it's really great. I actually have a picture with her. It's super cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, she's awesome. Yeah. So I hope to talk with her some more and then meet with her and just get her on board with more of our policies but i think that she's great in what she stands for and what she does and um for sure we're looking for her support and we're obviously we'd love to support her as well before you graduate as you have about a year and a half more to go any goal that you haven't been able to it's like something that you you see and it's like i really want to do this i haven't done it yet but i don't know anything on campus that you want to be involved with um i think this isn't really a tangible thing I, I guess something that I've been trying to work on is kind of and like is actually like one of my New Year's resolutions is just being better at public speaking. Oh. Um, I know that like when I first got into Calberg, I I was really nervous just talking to my boss and like the people around me in the club. I like really I didn't know I was afraid to talk about things that I cared about and I was afraid of looking dumb or something like that. And I I know that that was just an insecurity for me is talking in public and having people know like just know things about me and stuff like that. And so I think over time it's gotten better, but I I hope by the end of like my uh, time here at UCI that I've just gotten over that fear and like just be better at public speaking. I know this year for sure it's a challenge because I'm talking at in, in front of like hundreds of people in classes and talking about CalPerg. And then when I go to lobby, I'll probably be talking by myself to people in power in the legislature, which is terrifying, but it's also really cool at the same time. So I feel like uh, CalPerg has just given me this outlet to overcome this fear and not only just overcome this fear, but like enjoy it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like hopefully by the end of uh, next spring, I will uh, have gotten over this fear and actually be good at public speaking. Well, Nancy, do I have an organization for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the past president of Zotspeak Toastmasters here on campus, okay. which is a public speaking and leadership organization. So we meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. once a week, and uh, we practice public speaking. And it's in Aldrich Hall, room 107 on the very bottom floor. And visitors are welcome every week, so you can, you're can you welcome to come and try it out. And, and anybody that's listening, just come try it out. My background was counting undergraduate degree, but I had my I got my master's in acting. And when I came to the club about four years ago, right away I identified like, wow, this is a lot like acting. And I really identified uh, from that standpoint, but but it was public speaking. So you talk about things like, you know, just your physicality, like when you're looking to make a strong point, you know, using your hands, but not in a nervous way, using it to make a point, a powerful point. Also vocal variety, content. One of the things I didn't even really know is a, a call to action. It's like, well, why am I really speaking here? Well, a lot of times, you know, when you're a beginning speaker or, or, or a, a non-disciplined speaker, well, I have this thing, I want something, you know, duh, but you don't really realize how important it is to, like, what's your call to act when you're talking to people? What do you want them to do? And if you want that to be clear in your mind. So I have found it a priceless gift in my life in terms of it's been an amazing four years. I know there are people who have, decades of experience. I mean, you can be just while you're in college. It can be just for six months or 
or a few weeks, but you come come try it out. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to get better at it, and that sounds like a great outlet to do so, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, hey, Nancy Archuleta, thank you so much for coming in, telling us all about CalPerg. Um, we wish you all the best of success. It sounds like there's a lot going on. It sounds very stimulating, and it's important work to do, so thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you again to CalPerg student officer and political science and criminology undergrad Nancy Archuleta for an absolutely delightful interview about her campus activism and her college career here at UCI. Her interview was recorded in early February and was a breath of fresh air this week in contrast to the constant drumbeat of the coronavirus. Just a note near the end of the interview. I briefly shared my experience with the Public Speaking and Leadership Campus Club Zotspeak Toastmasters. Currently, the club is meeting remotely due to COVID-19. For more information, go to the Zotspeak Toastmasters website. Also check out CalPerg Online, the group Nancy spoke so passionately about. Again, it stands for the California Public Interest Research Group. And now a note about next week's show, my guest will be long sought after medical director of the UCI Student Health Center, Dr. Albert Chang. Dr. Chang was one of the first UCI leaders alerted to COVID-19 way back in mid-January. It should be a fascinating interview about where we were, where we are, and where we are going. So don't forget to tune in. Also, don't forget you can re-listen to today's show or any of my past shows from this academic year at my podcast website at www.bossenmeyer.com. It's all one word, Bossenmeyer, B as in Bravo, O-S-S as in Sierra, E-N as in November, M as in Mike, E-Y as in Yankee, E-R, bossenmeyer.com, www.bossenmeyer.com. You can also send any questions, comments, and or suggestions to my email at kboss at kuci.org. This is UCI Conversations, where every week we explore another corner of the land of blue and gold with interviews of UCI leaders, innovators, and zot, 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 everyday anteaters. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, with a final commentary and reminder. It's simple. No matter what you do, social distance, social distance, social distance. And wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, a full 20 seconds at a time. That's three happy birthday to you songs. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You can do it. Do it thoroughly. Lead yourself and make yourself proud. As my friend, UCI pandemic expert, Dr. Andrew Neumer says, we will get through this. Let's just take it one day at a time, all right? You are listening to KUCI. 88.9 FM in Irvine. So long, everybody.